you'd open your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 14. It's important. I always open with those seven words. Open your Bibles to the book of blank. And it's because I want, actually want you to open your book Bibles. Because as you open your Bibles, it shows that you're not just trusting me for what I have to say, but you're actually looking in and diving into the Word of God to make sure and test what I have to say by the Word of God. So we, as we've been going through this, as we've been looking through the book of Luke, we, we've made it to an, yet another chapter of this masterpiece. Jesus has been showing us how to become disciples over the last two to three chapters. He's been telling us that we have to repent and believe lest we perish. Now in chapter 4, he will be showing us what defines a disciple. And the first thing he tells us in this section is humility. Humility defines a disciple. We're going to see three things, three H's in this text. First, hypocrisy. Jesus is dining with with the Pharisees, and while he is there, there's a, a man who is what they call dropsy, which is essentially cancer, and he shines the light on the hypocrisy of the Pharisees because he heals this man, but the Pharisees didn't want that done. But they were the Sabbath. But they would they would have gotten their sons or even their ox out of a pit that they had fallen into on the Sabbath. And it just shows the hypocrisy with in their hearts. Second thing we're going to see is honor. Jesus tells a parable about honor. He tells us that we should not place ourselves in the primary spot, but we should allow the host to place us where he would. And the final thing we're going to see is humility. Jesus finishes the parable by telling us another backward reality of the kingdom of God. That those who are exalt themselves will be humbled. Humiliated. But those who humiliate or humble themselves, they will be exalted. I've entitled this message simply, Humble Yourself. Stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 14, verse 1 through 11. One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of the ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he, he, took, then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you have a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on the Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out. And they could not reply to these things. Now he told a parable to those who were invited when, when he noticed how they chose their place of honor, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more dignified than you be invited by him. And he, he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give up your place in this uh, to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are, are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, "Friend, move up higher." Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. 
he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the word of God that is able to heal, convert, and keep us in the kingdom of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. Receive it as such. Let's pray. Father, you are good and worthy to be praised. I pray that the power of your spirit would fall upon us this morning and give us eyes to see your glorious It's in your precious son's name, my prayer. Amidst this COVID-19 pandemic, there have been a number of government governors that up until May and June that were mandating nursing homes to take back COVID-19 patients back into the nursing homes, which we can all chop up to ignorance, except for the fact that some of the governors who had those very same mandates took their own parents out of the nursing homes. What this shows is elitism. There's one law for those, the common man, the peasants, but for the elites, they operate by a different set of rules. That is what Jesus is addressing here with Pharisees. The Pharisees here are, are mad, even though it doesn't necessarily show it in this. Jesus reads their thoughts, and they are furious that Jesus would dare to heal a person on the Sabbath. Yet again, we saw this back in chapter 13. And yet, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, looks at them and says, you would do this for your own people. You would even pull someone out of a well, and that's not even dropsy or cancer. It's going to kill them. You do it for your donkey, for your ox. They do it for when it affects themselves. But they won't do it when it affects the common person. That's the problem that the Pharisees had. Let's dive in and look at this text. First thing we're going to see is hypocrisy, verse 1 through 6. One Sabbath, when he went to dine with the house of the ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. Now, literally, they were watching him insidiously. Watching him to find, make sure, see if he would fail. Watching them, him to give, make a, a, to give a reason to accuse him. They were trying to catch their Lord in a mistake. Notice Jesus reclining at a table with his enemies. And you say, you may say, why on earth would he continue to do this? Why would he continue to go to the Pharisees when he knows he's seen them, them berate him with lies? Spread propaganda that he is a, a, a son of Satan. Why would he continue to sit at the table with his enemies? But I tell you, he still does that today. Because all of us were at one point his enemy. And we get to sit at the table with Christ because of he loves his creation. So look at verse 2. And behold, there was a man before him with drop. So he's in the middle of dinner. He's in the middle of talking with everyone, all these Pharisees watching intently, watching to, to catch him and, and to accuse him. And this man comes in. We don't know much about this. Likely, knowing the, the Pharisees of the, of the Gospels, they planned for this man to come. Likely, they had him come so that they could specifically accuse him. But they, once again, will fail. Now, what we need to know about dropsy is it's a condition where the fluid is retained in tissue of the body, the liver and the kidneys. Uh, are, and it has complications in the liver and kidneys. Most people believe it to be cancer today. 
what they were experiencing. So here this man, this cancerous man, comes before Jesus. And Jesus responds to the Pharisees. But the question is, what is he responding to? Nothing tells the Pharisees to say a word. They're just watching him intently. But we know that this is the God-man. The God-man who can read thoughts. And, so just, and Jesus responded to the lawyers and the Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Now you remember, just going back a few verses into chapter 13, Jesus had healed a woman who was keeled over for, for I think it was 16 years. She was bent over and he heals them. And the, the, there, the, the ruler of the synagogue, not the lawyer or Pharisee, was indignant. You remember that the, the, just back in 13, it, it literally said, but the ruler of the synagogue, indignant. It, it lifted up his rage. And I told you back then that it wasn't law. Well, here's the proof. It was actually, these were the lawyers. These were the ones who wrote the law. And they, when, when Jesus heals, he specifically pulls out and asks the question, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? We look, we'll skip to the end, verse 6. They could not reply to these things. That's the answer. There was no law for healing. Why? Because healing wasn't something that they had to deal with. There was, there was issues with walking on the Sabbath. There was issues you could only walk so far. You could only eat certain things. You couldn't light a candle. You couldn't do all these different things on the Sabbath day. But they didn't have a reason to, to talk about someone healing because Jesus is the only God, man, that's ever lived. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he, he made people clean and healed them. They would have no reason to have a no healing on the Sabbath rule because they had never been a healer like Jesus before. Look at verse 4. But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. Where's the outrage from before? It doesn't tell us that they're, they're furious. And we just know they are because, of they, because of Jesus is responding to something. But it's, they're, not, they're not expressing it outwardly like this ruler of the synagogue was. The ruler of the synagogue wasn't an expert in the law. These guys are experts in the law. He says he was even the, the ruler of the Pharisees. So he's the top dog. These guys knew it all. They wrote the law. They studied the law. They made sure that every single person in Jerusalem followed these laws. Except, as we'll see, they didn't do it for themselves. He goes on, he says, and he said to them, which of you, this is how he, he's going to show the hypocrisy in their thoughts. Which of you, having a son, now let's stop it, a son, a, 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 someone that is precious to you, someone with the image of God, that bears the image of God, which of you would have a son, now go back to the ox in a minute, that has fallen into a well on the Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out. So he's fallen to love. His life is not fully in danger. You can live for a few hours without food. But they would say, he said, you don't even pull them out of the well. But then he goes a step further, or an ox. Jesus points out the ridiculousness of this fake rule. If it was your child, or even if it was your donkey, your ox, your beast of burden, what would you do? And obviously the answer is they would get him out. Because they were precious to him. They, they, they had value to them. These hypocritical Pharisees ascribe no value to the person with dropsy. 
described no value to the woman that was keeled over. Their priorities were completely out of whack. The priorities of their religious ignorance ignored and sank, uh, the sanctity of human life in order to in order to the, 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 to keep the law that they made up until it was their own child or even their own animal. But if it was someone else's, who cares? You see the problem? The hypocrisy of the religious person that has not submitted to Christ is blatant and obvious. The law is good as long as it doesn't hurt me or my people. Jesus heals the woman before they, could, or the man in this case, before they could even show outrage and calls them out on it. And we are left with verse 6. Literally, we're given nothing that they said. Except twice now, verse 4, they remain silent. And verse 6, they could not reply to these things. So they likely orchestrated this entire thing to accuse Jesus. But the problem was, is Jesus is the one who wrote the real law. Jesus is the God who, who, who called Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Jesus is the one that came and communed with them. And they're trying to catch him in his own law. And it's not going to work. Jesus had won and infuriated. Jesus had beat the best at their own game. And they knew that they had lost because they just sat there quiet and they knew the law. They were, they were hypocritically trying to trap Jesus. But, like all hypocrites, they do not want the world to know that they're alive. So they just sit there and stay silent. So they, they can't be accused when they're, when they're not saying anything. They can't be accused of being a liar and a hypocrite for all the people around. Because they just sat there quietly. So they stood there silent. The second thing we're going to see is honor. Jesus then turns and he, uh, he gives a parable. A story. Now he told them a parable to those who were invited. So this is still at the wedding supper, at the wedding, or not the wedding, sorry, it's about a wedding supper. But this is still at the, the feast, likely after a synagogue uh, service. When he said, he, when he noticed how they chose the places of honor. So he was watching them as they came in. He was watching where they sat. So when you're invited, the place right next to the, to the host is the most honorable place. It's the place where, where you would have a, dig, a dignitary sit. And so he's watching people come in and sit down, probably, likely, well, as most people do, come in as close as they can when they get there first. Remember, Jesus is telling this parable to explain what had just happened. Not just how they, how they honored themselves by seating, but how they honored themselves by, keep, by making laws that only they could hold other people accountable to, but they themselves did not have to do. Some group has placed themselves above another group. The ruler of the Pharisees had placed themselves above the common Jewish person. Jesus had just exposed this in the, the previous verses. He's, he's saying, basically, what are you doing? What, what, what you are doing is saying that your ox is more important, or your donkey is more important than anyone else. Someone bearing the image of God. Parables as follows. Starting verse 8. When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit in the place of honor. Now we have to remember, I told you guys this a while ago, but wedding feasts 
Wedding celebrations back then lasted seven full days. They would, they would come, every evening they would have another feast and celebration where they would they would just be show having this party to to raise up this this couple that has committed to a covenant together. And there was not a signed seating. It would be closer today to be invited by, by a governor or the president. And you get there, there's no assigned seating, then you just decide to go and sit right next to that governor, right on the right or left-hand side. This is the same problem that, that when they, you assume that you get to the, the best, you often end up with less than you would have had otherwise. This is the problem with entitlement. The, these people, Jesus is calling them out because they felt entitled because they got there first. They felt entitled to have the best of the best. The same problem that many young people have nowadays. They grow up in a nice house with decent cars, and they, they when they get 18, 19, 20, they get out and they say, oh, I, I should get the same stuff. They didn't see their parents struggling living in apartments, seeing them li living with five other roommates as I did through seminary. They didn't see all that. They just saw that as they, they grew up, they had all this stuff, so I should still get that stuff. The problem is, you have to work for it. They didn't see the, the years of apartments, the three and four jobs that you had to work. They feel entitled to the same manner of life, but don't want to go through the same hard times that we, frankly, all go through. The Pharisees had placed themselves above all the other Jews. They, they were elitists, placing themselves in the place of honor. The text continues to show what happens. Jesus says, do not sit down in a place of honor. Lest, here's the reason, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. Do you see, who is the one who decides that which, who's distinguished and who's not? Who's the one who decides who gets the honor and who doesn't? It's the host. It's the one who invited you. Let's go take it back to the kingdom of God real quick. Who invited us into the kingdom of God? God himself. Jesus invited us into the kingdom of God. And so what he's calling out is these Pharisees are, are saying, well, I'm going to be first. I'm going to be second because I, I know the law real well. Same problem that the sons of thunder had, isn't it? They, they had their mommy go to Jesus and say, let, let my boy sit the right and left hand in the kingdom of heaven. He said, you, you, don't even, you don't even know what you ask. <laughs> you see, the problem was that they, 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 you see, the problem is that they, that they thought that they deserved the best, but forgot who it is that is the giver of all things. He, he continues in verse 9, and he who invited you both will come and say to you, give up your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. Can you imagine that's just that place for a moment? Stand with me in that place for a second. You go to the governor's house, the governor's mansion, and you're invited there with a whole bunch of people, and you get there early to make sure that you're going to get the best spot. Baby, can you get to us? You make sure you get the best. No, never mind. Don't worry. You go. go ahead. Go ahead. Go get mama. Go get mama, Lala. <laughs> okay. All right. So I'm back. So you get you get there and you make sure you get there early so you can get the best spot. You're sitting there. You're you're smug. You're proud that you get to sit right next to the governor. 
and talk with him about all these important issues, and he walks up to you and says, this sponsor's are fun. Judah. See, that's the problem that we have here. The problem that, that, these, that these Pharisees have is that they've placed themselves in the place of honor and rank amongst God's people. The problem is we need to allow God to place people in the rank of honor and levels of, of glory. This word honor could also be translated glory. Distinguishment. When we feel like we are, are entitled to the best, we often end up getting worse than we would have originally gotten. It's because the rest of the, the room had been seated already by the man that was the host, that he didn't just get one seat down. He got all the way to the back of the line. And as he continues, we're going to see this even more clearly. Our last point, this, this last part of the text, Jesus gives clear instructions on honor and humility. But, verse 10, humility. But, when you are invited, go and sit down, sit in the lowest place of blood. Instead, don't go sit at the highest spot. Instead, take the lowest spot. Remember the word uh, humble? I told you last week, it gets its root in humiliate. Humiliate yourself. Literally, he tells us to take the lowest place in the feast. The sons of thunder, as I told you, didn't get that memo. The natural laws of the kingdom of God are not the same as the natural laws of the world. The natural laws of the world says put yourself forward as much as you can. The natural laws of the kingdom of God says the last will be first. The natural laws of the kingdom of God says those who are, are humbled will be honored. And those who are honored will be humiliated. Jesus is the perfect example of this. He, the creator, has become creation. The one who spoke and all things came into existence. Came down and dwelt with us as a human. And he has won on the cross. The name that is above all names. The name that is going to be honored. If you wish to be honored in the kingdom, you must be willing to humble yourself in this life. You must be willing to humble yourself in this life. The kingdom rules fly in the face of the world. But there is logic to it, nonetheless. He continues in verse 10. He says, So that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. You see that it is the job of the host to assign honor, not the job of the guest. We have been invited into this kingdom of God that was purchased for us by the blood of Christ on the cross. But the problem is, too many think that because they have been invited, they get to decide what the kingdom is like. You have many people that say, yeah, I know the Bible says this, but that was written 2,000 years ago by a dozen or so different people. That can't really be what he meant. I know he said this bluntly, but that really can't be what he means. The problem is we get entitled just like these Pharisees did. And we think that we can now give our own rules instead of the Scripture. What the Pharisees would do is they would see the law and thinking they were good, they would make five more laws for people that they could so they would get close to the law. It's called legalism. What people do nowadays is they, they say, well, yeah, I know. Your Bible says that, but... Maybe we're just reading it out of context. Maybe that's just an interpretation. We hear that all the time. We must let God honor us and use us how He wants to use us. 
Not think that we are too good or for that matter, too bad to do something in the kingdom. Sometimes we take too much when God is not not using us in, in that way. And sometimes we take too little. Sometimes he has positioned us in a church with certain gifts and certain skills. And he wants us to go and be in this position and we won't do it. Officers, leaders of the church, deacons, and in your, and sometimes we, we allow ourselves to say, yeah, I'm not good enough. I'm not, I'm not ready to do this. We, we allow ourselves to say, well, maybe one day, but not now. Allow God to place you and honor you where he would use you in his kingdom. You see that? When the host comes to you, he will say, friend, move up higher. Move up to this place. Honor. So the, the, there's two words that are used for honor in this. The, the first two times, verse 8 and 9, it's, it's ascribing to oneself honor. This time, as we look at it in verse 10, it says they will be honored in the presence of all who sit. It's talking about glorify. Doxa. We get the word doxology from. We will be lifted up and made high. Not because of ourselves, but because the host puts us there. Do you see that? So by taking the humble road, you end up honored in front of all. The Lord uses the weak to shame the strong, the foolish to shame the wise, the lowly to shame the elite. He will not use you because of your skills, but he will use you in spite of your skills. And he will equip you himself. You just have to be willing. Now whether that means a door greeter, Sunday school teacher, whatever the, the position that God has equipped you for in the kingdom of God and in this church, which is a microcosm of the kingdom of God, I beg you do it. And the host will place you in his kingdom precisely where he wants you because he is the one who equips you precisely as he desires. As we come to the end of the last verse really ties this whole thing together. He says, For everyone who exalts himself, I'm going to use the other word, will be humiliated. And he who humiliates himself will be exalted. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. If, if we, we see it all the time, people just want to do it for the position. And that's wrong. If people just want to be a pastor because it's the position that they get the honor and they get the greeting in the, in the marketplace, as they say in, in the Bible, they just want to be a Pharisee because people have to respect them and they get to make the law. If you just want to be in government so that you can tell people what to do, you can take this outside the church, but anywhere, if you try and exalt yourself, you will be humble. One way or another, you will be humble. But in the kingdom of God specifically, those who humble themselves will be raised high and exalted by our Lord. This is the point of the whole passage. The Lord is the one who exalts us, not us ourselves. Let's go back to the context for a moment. The Pharisees had exalted themselves by having a set of rules for themselves and another set of rules for peasants, for everyone else. We had a picture of this in the news this, this week. A prominent politician was caught using a hair salon without a mask where they were not they were still locked down in her own city. 
But the the problem is when the elite's caught, the elite doesn't want to apologize. They just want to blame other people. There's one set of rules for the elite, and there's one set of rules for the common person. Jesus says it is God who decides and who, who is exalted and who is humiliated, not us. Maybe this morning you need to find a place to serve in the church. Maybe you need to get involved with prayer meeting or Sunday school. We still have, are having them, even though they're not well attended right now. Maybe you need to find an accountability partner, someone that will help you grow in the faith. Maybe you need to find someone that will help you stay on that narrow road that Jesus talked about just at the end of chapter 13. There's no sense in hiding who you are because we serve the one that knows. So we serve the sovereign God of all creation who knows you just as you are. So I, I beg you, submit to him today. And whatever that looks like, you Let's go, Lord. Father, you are good. And you are worthy to be praised. You're worthy to be exalted. Father, I pray that as you place your people where you would have them, as you exalt those who you would exalt and humble those who you would humble, I pray that you would do it in a manner that's glorified in your name. Father, we love you and we pray that as we come to you, that if there's any here that don't know you, they would turn to you this morning. They turn from sin to you that they would see and they would know. It's in your precious son's name I pray. Amen.